You are now tuned in to the December 26th podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Hey, 26er family, welcome to another episode of the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and this episode features Muggsy McFly. Muggsy is a fashion designer, founder of the clothing line signed by McFly, and the owner of retail clothing store Clout Control. From an early age, Muggsy was a math whiz and eventually made his way to St. John's to major in accounting. Despite his natural talents and the requisite degree, after graduation, he could not find a job. It took approximately two years, but Muggsy eventually landed a gig in his chosen field. But he soon realized that it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And as fate would have it, he was let go after only a few months. It was at this point that Muggsy decided to jump headfirst into entrepreneurship, and he has never looked back. He built his fashion brand from the ground up and has recently expanded to a brick-and-mortar clothing store. And I know you're probably wondering, but I'll let him tell you where the name Muggsy comes from. So please take a listen and enjoy. Muggsy. Hey. Welcome to the December 26th podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. How are you doing today? I'm all right. A little cold, a little hot, but it's cool. Yeah, you know, um, so we always keep it real on this show. Of course, let's keep it real. Um, And there are production challenges that happen. uh, And we are currently in the space that we normally use, but in a raw portion of the building with no heat and it is December so we're from New York though we gonna talk it out <laughs> right like we're, we're resilient right yeah, of we'll course always ready so just I'm gonna try not to shiver we got we got a little heat popping that we, we brought in we are so, we are so we gonna make it happen dumpster fire <laughs> <laughs> so tell me who is Muggsy Muggsy is the result of following dreams a creative part time superhero designer fashion designer someone who desires the highest taste level I like that. I like the part-time superhero, too. Yeah, that's that, that's actually my favorite part, and I think that's the truest, <laughs> truest part, actually. So before we get into all of that, I have to know... Oh, gosh. Where did the name Muggsy come from? Okay, all right. So right now, I'm sitting down, but I'm 6'2 right now. Mm-hmm. Growing up, I was actually very, very short. Mm-hmm. I was 4'11 in high school. Really? Yeah, so everybody's like... Even my high school friends, they see me, they're like... You look like my friend Muggsy, but you kind of told it like, yo, it's me, bro. Like, stop it. So um, I actually was 4'11". Um, no hopes of growing mm-hmm. tall. I like to play basketball. And if you know basketball yeah, and Space Jam, good. Muggsy Bogues, 5'3". Mm-hmm. He follows me on Twitter. He's cool. He's a cool guy. <laughs> I told him he inspired me. He's like, oh, thanks, whatever. He's, we spoke. So I got, I went to my first year of high school. I had double period gym. Mm-hmm. And I never was too social. So people just see short kid 4'11". Yo, Muggsy, you want to play ball? And I'm like, he called it Muggsy because I'm short. And then it just happened that those kids in that class stayed with me my first year, my second year, my third year, and the name followed through. You know what's so funny, though? Because, like, when I first, when we first spoke and I, I saw your name, I was like, maybe it's a Muggsy Bose connection. Then when I saw you in person, I was like, nah, it's not that. No, it's no way. Yeah, so it, it's, I like nicknames that mm-hmm. people don't give themselves. It's yeah. like, it has a story. You can know more about Muggsy than my real government name. Mm-hmm. Like, it built up from high school. High school, I really built the character and person I am, personality. And then it just actually leaked that somebody from school called me Muggsy in the park by my house. And then it was like, bro, that's for school only. Don't do that. And then it just was Muggsy and it just carried. And it, the branding for it just worked out. And I was like, you know, I'm going to own it. Let's be honest. It's your name. So when did the growth spurt happen? Man, it was kind of like two because I got out of school like five, three and a half. So you graduated high school. I got in high school, five, three and a half. I got to college and I might have been five, five. Graduated college still at like five, nine. What? And then after, I'm like, God, is still I'm mad because I wanted to play basketball so bad. I'm like, and you, you should have just you gave delayed. me 6'2 from high school because, you know, I might have been, the Knicks need the help, you know? It could have been something beautiful. Like, but nah, it was a little later, so. I mean, I've always heard that men stop growing a lot later than women. But that was But ridiculous. that, like, how do you get out of college and you're still growing? I, I couldn't, I couldn't. I don't know. It just happened. Like, over that... And some people come to me now and say, yo, you look tall. And I'm like, please stop. <laughs> it can't... It cannot be. I'm way past that age. But it just happened late. I felt like I was late with a lot of things. So yeah, I yeah. Was just um, you got a special growth hormone at the rest. I wish right. that would have happened to me. It was like 5'2 in high school and that was Done. it. Girls no stop more. going early. <laughs> exactly. Early. Exactly. So this part-time superhero piece, what yes. does that mean? What does that encompass? I feel like... 
I just like to help. And it's, you know, a lot of people like to help for something. Like, oh, if I help you, then you're going to help me. And it's like, nah. Mm -hmm. Like, I had a couple of friends um, call me this week and they had like a big print job they needed done. And they didn't really want me to do the print job. They just wanted shirts. And it was mm -hmm. like, same day. It's funny, two of them back to back and they both have like non-for-profit organizations. And they're like, yo, my first guy, I need 54 shirts, bro. Where can I go? I got you. Found my time, got it two hours. Next guy, an hour, got it done. It was just, I feel like I want to help. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I had anyone I could just call it at a drop of a dime, like, yo, help me, guide me, whatever, give me guidance, give me insight or something. So I wanted to be the change in the world I wanted to see. So let's talk about your origins before we get into the change that you're ushering in today. Let's go. Um, what's your backstory? Backstory pertaining to what exactly? Where'd you grow up? Family dynamic? The whole nine. Okay, so I'm the first person in my family born in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. My cousin is like three years older than me. He's the last one born in Jamaica. Then my mom just decided, you know, I'll wait till I get to America to have this mm -hmm. one. And here I am. And then um, I grew up in the Bronx my whole life. I love the Bronx. I'm diehard uptown Bronx guy, little Jamaica up there. And um, I actually went to school to be an accountant. Ironic. I don't know how I ended up in fashion. And So were you in math? I actually was really, 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 really good in math mm -hmm. to the point. I don't know if anybody remembers the Sims test back yeah. in school. I, I remember... I used to be smart but talk a lot in class. So I, I re they realized that it's because I was just smart. So my teacher used to try to test me. I finished that statewide test early and he kind of got to mock me like, no, there's no way you're finished. I'm like, I'm finished. Mm -hmm. He tried to check my test right there on the spot. He's like, you got one wrong. And I was like, oh, let me see. Oh, this is why. I did something wrong. And it was 100. And then the next year, they tried to skip me. And my mom was like, you know, Jamaican parents, no, no, I'm too little bit. Am I going to beat him? I'm like, mom, no, they not. I'm, that time I was, in deep with the studies. And I'm like, no, let me go to fourth grade right now. I'm right. out of here. You know, but I, I probably would have been a nerd. So she's just like, no, stay in your grade. And third grade was rough. Thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was the roughest one. But I still dug it out, you know? And then, um, I don't know, just... So you're a math whiz? I was a math whiz, but I guess I'd rather do numbers for my own business than mm -hmm. somebody else's with the accounting. So with the accounting thing, did it inter interest you at some point seriously or was it more about the safe route? Well, I feel like where I come from, like, you know, my mom necessarily didn't have it all. And you want to help your mother and your parent. Well, my, my, only my mother, mm -hmm. not, not, not my father or anything. But I felt like I was smart. And a lot of other kids in my family weren't on that type of time where, you know, they were getting, want to be skipped and stuff. And I was like, mm -hmm. yo, I could help. Oh, I could make money. Accounting has this. So it's basically financial security. And I'm like, I had like math teachers refer me to colleges from early and like, oh, you should be a stockbroker. You should be a financial advisor, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. Math is easy. It's just what was easy. But then after a while, I was just like, this is boring. I'd rather have more fun. And then it was just, God, annoying. I don't know. Yeah. I was just naturally good at math. And I think too, you know, when you add, I think it's, it's not exclusive to Black culture, but it's prevalent in Black culture yes. that, that want, that need or that desire to help your elders, Immediately. Right? Then when you add the coming from an immigrant family piece to it as well. That's like a whole other dynamic. They, they say parents are the biggest dream killers and I, I could completely understand it. It's like they want the best for you so they try to keep you in a safe space but that comfort and safe space could sometimes be the worst thing right. ever. And it's like, okay, mom, I'm not getting a job. You know, I'm out of I did all of that. Yeah. I'm out of college two years in and still no job. And I'm a B plus student. It's like, yo, this is, that's probably when I realized like, nah, right. this is, a little safe route is not as safe as they say. And I'm trying to, I have a full four-year bachelor's from St. John's University and I can't, and they want me to get a regular job in Macy's or something. I'm like, no, nah, I didn't do all of that so they want to do something I didn't even have to go to school for. Right. Then when I finally get the one accountant job, they got me making folders, bruh. Folders? <laughs> folders. I, I think a college degree is just the most expensive receipt you could own. <laughs> Seriously. That's why I'm like, what? I'm sure you figured out in school, though, that, like, this might not be for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, now, it's funny because I go to schools and speak. I actually went to um, FIT and spoke and told all the college kids, like, listen, you don't need this. <laughs> I, I don't know if that was a bad thing, but I want to tell people, like, school adds education, but that's not the only education you get and not everyone learns the same way. And I feel like school teaches you to be an employee, mm -hmm. not a business owner or a boss or anything like that. And I just, I, I hate it. It's just, I want to change that. That's yeah. one thing I really, really, really want to change. So you came out and it took two years to find an accounting job. So what were you doing in that period? So I actually was 
I was just enjoying life. Like, I wasn't really stressing it. I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. That summer, I got out. I'm like, I'm going to just chill. Because, matter of fact, no, I'm lying. Because I actually went to go about my CPA. But I was living at the same time. So most people lock themselves in their room, study, 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 study. I was going to the club. <laughs> like, if the CPA was Tuesday, Monday night till 4 o'clock, I was in the club. No, you were not. I swear to you. And I had to wake up at 9 to go down to the city. And I really was like half and half. And I'm like, nah, I got to live life. Like, you can't lie to yourself. This feels great. Mm-hmm. And that feels horrible. Like, do I really want to be tied up in that for the rest of my life? Then I finally got, the, I didn't pass the CPA. I probably failed by like 10, five points here and there. And I'm like, damn, if I really was on if some... If you would have stopped clubbing, you If I would have stopped clubbing, I would have been, I would have had a practice right now. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't for me. Like, I don't know. I just, I wasn't happy. And I feel like people should know that happiness comes first. Right. If you do something you love, you never work a day in your life. So you studied for the CPA exam, didn't work out. Can't find a job in your chosen field. So what were you doing for money, though? So basically, what was I doing for money? I, I, I don't. I really. I was just hustling. Like I was just helping my friends with stuff. I had a car, and my friends didn't know they had no way to drive. I helped them. Yo, gotta give me this. Gotta give me that. And also, I, this was not really necessarily money, but it kind of is like the prelude to me being in fashion. My friends had a brand in 2011, and I fell in love with it. Not realizing how much in love I was with it. Like, I used to help them promote. And then they used me as a poster boy. And, like, I did photo shoots and everything. And I just got so caught up into it. And that was, like, the same summer I had the job. So mm-hmm. it's like both of these things met at the same exact time. Like, finally. And then I got laid off for somebody else's mistake, which broke. I was more happy than anything. Like, I'm free. Mm-hmm. And I just went that whole summer doing that. And I started thinking, like, maybe I should do this. And it came to me. So the job you finally got? I was there for, like, Four months. Four months. And you know what really, really, really hurt me and made me say, I don't need to be working for nobody? I actually was kind of fake obsessed with trying to get the job. I'm like, I need to help my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom's on my back, blah, blah, blah. I got to start paying back for these things. I can't put them in deferment. You could put them in deferment to the rest of your life, actually. I learned that now. They still in deferment. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but <laughs> They so, get you with their interest, though. Yeah, yeah. so I'm like, oh, whatever. I'm, you know, if y'all, well, actually, I'm lying. I, pay, I pick one to pay off. St. <laughs> John's is expensive. I have a lot of those. So I pick one every other year to go pay off. But so right before I got the job, like my, my grandmother was in the um, nursing home. She was getting older. My grandmother doesn't really share like when she's sick and stuff, but she was sick. I didn't know. And my mother always said, you didn't go see your grandmother more often. And I'm like, I know, I know. I'm just trying to get this job. And she's like, listen, she's not going to be here forever. And I'm like, okay. So I remember March 2011, she passed away. And it hurt me because the night before, I was out doing all this stuff. And my cousin called and said, she's asking to see you. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to try. And I didn't make it. The next morning she passed. So she knew she wanted to see me before she passed. And it really bothered me. I'm like, damn, you got to make th- time for things that's important. Mm-hmm. And I was stressing so much about getting the job. And guess what? I'm almost a month exact after she passed, I got the call for the job. I'm like, wow. that's so whack. Like, you know, so I always kind of held that over my head with that job. And once I was able to get out, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not doing that again. So after four months, you realized that... No, well, actually, I was there. I already was sick and tired. Mm-hmm. One, I never... Like, now I realize I was that stuck into fashion. I always thought about a job. Like, what can I wear to work? Can I wear sneakers? I hate <laughs> shoes. Can I wear this? Can I wear my button and my polo button? Can I look like me still? Like, that suit stuff blows my mind. I hate it. So I'm like... It used to be a big thing. And that job was cool because you could wear what you want. But then it's like, you got a nine to five. But they really have you from... Seven to seven. Absolutely. I got to get up an hour. take an hour to get there. It take an hour to get home from work. Then if I want to go anywhere else, another hour. So it's like, they kind of have me that much. But then, in the night before, you kind of need to go to bed in time so you have energy. So they got me in the night too. Mm-hmm. So they got me, got me. There's it's no, all consuming. Yeah. There's, there's no real, two, three hours maybe the most of prime time for you. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm supposed to do this for how many years? For what kind of pension? Nah, it's not it. <laughs> it's not it. So nah, I was like, and then um, I believe someone sent mail out without stamps and they blamed it on me. I was the lowest common denominator, so. Somebody sent mail out without stamps, but you were a college grad. Yeah, so I I've, I, I did, they made me do multiple jobs, but yeah. it's not like I was allocated to one thing. Yeah. So any day, anyone could have did that job. Mm-hmm. But obviously, if you've been there for five years and I'm just a temp, I was part of a temp agency, mm-hmm. you know, in there, they're going to be like, that guy. Right. <laughs> And she called me in and said, like, oh, this happened. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't me. And she's like, she just looked at me like, I don't care what you say. It was you. Right. I'm like, all right. And she's like, oh, this is going to be your last day. And I was like, and instead of being upset, I was like, oh, 
This is lit. <laughs> so I go back to doing what I'm doing. Then she's like, oh, you can go home now. We actually, I'll still pay you for the whole day. I'm like, all right. That whole train ride home, I was like, I'm not coming back on this train for nothing <laughs> ever again. And I did it. I had a car too. And it's like the cost of parking the car and lunch right. is what it costs to be there. So how? Right. How? I'm breaking even though. So Okay. So you leave there and you're like, this is what's up. So I basically, I basically decided to, like I got out of there August. I basically tried to just enjoy the rest of my summer, the little bit of summer I had left. Mm -hmm. And then probably winter, I started trying to imply, apply. My mother wanted me to go into the military. She was in the military. A whole bunch of other stuff, like, I was thinking, but it just wasn't. And then, like, the temp agency was real weird. They would want you to call in at the top of the week to say you're available. That's it. Just call in. Right. I'm available. I'm available. So just to whenever they decided to find something for you, and it was, it was whack. And I hate it because it's, like, staff accountant. You're trying to get entry level, but entry level requires experience. Yes. How am I getting experience? On like, what do I do? And you know what you do? You work for free as an intern. That's what they do. It's, it's, it's the game is rigged. It's rigged. So, it's so rigged. I know a lot of people who are talented designers yeah. or want to break into the fashion industry. But it's, it's, there's one thing to have a desire. It's another thing to monetize it. Yes. So what did your journey look like to get from somebody who's like, accounting is not it for me. This is what I want to do. To now I'm sustaining myself financially from it. Well, I feel like it wasn't necessarily clothes first. Mm -hmm. It was, well, yeah, because it was graphic design. I used to throw parties. I used to throw events. I was okay. always kind of a little popular and I liked to go out like during this, even when I had the CPA next morning, I liked to go out. So I was like, you know what? I always had the mentality like, okay, I don't want to pay to go out. All my friends are always in the club. They like to go where I go. Why don't I throw the party, make the money and all my friends still come and I'm not paying, I'm getting paid. Mm -hmm. So that became a thing. And it wasn't like, I wasn't really thinking too much business, but it became so much of a business that I was like, oh, I need this party so I can make my money. So I started doing that, doing hostings, getting paid. And then, um, I remember a good friend of mine used to do my flyers and she took really long to get it to me. And it triggered me to learn to do it myself because I hate asking people. I'll help you every day and night, but asking and waiting, I hated it. I work on my own time. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get Photoshop. Got it for free from someone. Got in the book. Sat down and just trying to figure it out. First flying wasn't all that, but it worked. I'm like, whatever. And from there, my friends wanted it. And then it just came to a word of mouth thing where... I'll get paid for it. I never promote, I do graphics. It's just word of mouth to this day. It's probably like five people in my DM right now and they want logos. It's mm -hmm. just, I heard you do this. And I feel that's the best way because then that means you have someone that can vouch for you. Yeah. So that became, oh, let me, I just started playing with clothing in Photoshop and it's like, oh, I could do this. Then I just went to a print shop and asked about it and researched online. And I actually DM'd uh, a a streetwear designer, some people might know Will Fry and was asking him questions and he actually answered everything. I never met him. I'd love to meet him one day. Mm -hmm. And he really like, I had a site that wasn't working for me and he used the same site and he was like featured on Complex and all these big medias. And I'm like, wow, we use the same thing. So I'm on the right track. And from then I was like, let me not ever question my skill or what I'm doing. And mm -hmm. eventually I got here in 2013. I started the brand and I'm not going to lie. You got to love it. I would give people that advice. You got to love it because out the gate, is not easy. I maxed out a, a credit card for my first collection. And my I, first connection? My, my first collection, yeah. A my collection. very first mm -hmm. first batch of t-shirts I made, I just had a one credit card. My mother told me to get to fill credit. It had like maybe $1,000 on it. I maxed it out completely to do my collection. I sat on them shirts for a while. Then I started doing fashion shows here and there, building. Um, I had one set of shirts to use over and over and over for every fashion show. Clean, put it back. Some of those are still in my closet right now. And I just built my name up, dressed people the right way, and eventually got to a point where it's like, okay, it's starting to sell. So what was your mom saying when you were like, I'm not going back to like um, a desk job? She, I know she was worried. She was extremely worried. She's sitting there, oh, this boy's home now. He's been out of school for a while. He's not making enough money. We're getting these letters about student loans. It's like, okay, now I just got a big kid in my house. What is he going to do? And it's like, she can't see the vision. So she's thinking like the worst. Like, oh, go do this. Go do that. I could get you a job here. I could get you a job in the hospital. Like, I knew you were going to say the hospital. I of course. The first, said it. She works in the hospital. <laughs> so she automatically like, I got you. And I'm like, mom, listen, I sat her down and listen, I'm going to pursue this clothing thing. Just trust me. Okay. Two months later, oh, I'm going to try to get you a job here. Mom, <laughs> what did I tell you? No, but I can understand her fears, you mm -hmm. know, but now. She comes to the store. She wants this for Christmas. She wants, she wears everything. All her, her patients and people know me and every, so it's, you know, night and day. So take me back though. Cause like you, so you maxed out that, that credit card. Yes. 
to create these shirts. What was your original like advertising strategy? It's funny. I really didn't. I, well, I tell people you should focus on the product. So 2013, I go back. I'll never forget it. 2013, it was two waves that was going on. It was basic t-shirts that was $20 to $25. Just white t-shirt, simple logo, black t-shirt, simple logo, not too much colors in the design, screen print, some even heat transfer. Then the other was leather. If you remember Summer Jam 2013, everybody had on leather. So I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place. It's like, all right, this basic shit or this crazy expensive. And it's like, I can't afford to make real leather for y'all. And there was people that was out that was killing, like killing. And I'm like, damn, I'm never going to catch up. But I was like, you know, let me focus on what I like. I liked a lot of graphics, I like colors. So I went sublimation, which is like all over. The whole shirt is designed from seam to seam. Mm -hmm. It's not just one location, which means it's almost double the cost of the $25 shirts. Might be uh, one third the cost of the leather, but right in the middle. So... The people from where I'm from was more so $25 shirt. Like, oh, why are you charge so much in this person? They didn't right. realize the difference. So I sat. And I remember one day, I, I paid attention to signs. So I was like, God, if I should continue doing this, give me a sign. And then within the week, some guy in Georgia, I'll never forget. I, one day I'm going to find you and I'm going to thank you. He ordered like four shirts. And I was like, shirts are like $65. Mm-hmm. He don't know me. Thank you. All right. It was enough for me to re-up and keep some. I'm like, all right, I'm staying here. No plan B. Just plan A. Find another way to make plan A work. Keep going. So that's what happened. And eventually, I did get to a cheaper shirts and other, and I kept going. And then eventually, like I said, the, the fashion shows, good content, the photo shoots. I just got, a lot of people believed in me in the start. Like I called a good friend of mine and she wanted me to attend the fashion show. I think this was my very first fashion show, actually. She wanted me to attend the fashion show just as a patron. And she's like, you, have, you know any models? I was like, I'll model. She's like, I come. She's like, oh, I need another designer too. You know what I mean? My mind, I was like, I actually just started designing. I swear, this probably before my website even dropped. So mm-hmm. I had all those avenues right out the gate. And I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of fashion to the point where I've done photography. I've done video. I've done the modeling, paid modeling too. Photo shoots, you know, directing and the fashion shows. So I'm like, sure. So I got, this was my internship. So I went in there, built up, um, you know, a fan base with that. Maybe a couple of months later, another girl that I admired um, that made dresses in the Bronx invited me to the show as well. I took the same pieces, followed through. I built on her following. Then maybe almost a year later, I had another one. And it just kept building from that too. Now, those three friends, people just started inviting me. And then after hers, actually, I was like, you know what? I throw the party already. I used to throw a birthday party every October. And I was like, this, I was like, now I need the eyes. I got the product, I need the eyes. Just in the fashion show. The fashion show seemed to be doing real well. Let me convert my birthday party to a fashion show. Mm-hmm. So I learned from the girl, the last girl I had the one that she had the same venue that I was planning to do my birthday party. So I said, okay, I'm going to put fashion show birthday party or day party and fashion show. So what I would do is the early part, because people used to go out later, way later those days, like Jamaicans love to go to parties at two o'clock, <laughs> stay for two hours, whatever, cool, whatever floats your vote. So I had the fashion show early for like the real fashion people. And then as soon as fashion was done, the birthday party. So what I got was the people I built up with the fashion come early and they usually end up staying late to see what my party life was like. So it's like, now I add them to that. Mm-hmm. When the fashion show, pe- the um, birthday party people would come a little early and, ca- and I was last to come out. I had other designers as well in the show paying homage back to most of the people that I went through the journey with. So they would get exposed to the fashion. So I kind of blend both crowds. And now I'm probably on, I would probably say nine, how many years? Uh, Six, seven, six or seven years of the fashion show. In those early days where, you know, you're building a business and you're selling a product and so much of the money goes into what you mentioned, re-upping, yeah. how are you financing whole fashion shows? See, now it's all about your clout and who you know. Mm-hmm. So first, sometimes I would try like to just find the money. Then like where I'm at now and where I got eventually is that I learned, okay, if I did a good show last year, the year before, I learned from my friends, promoters in the city, most of these promoters, they don't pay for the club because it's way more expensive down there. They make guarantees. They basically prom- make promises. So the club owner really doesn't care what your door does. He cares about them being no fighting, no weed smoke most of the time, and their bar doing good. Right. They, everything is about the bar. So they have a thing called bar guarantee. So it'd be like, okay, if my bar makes 7000 we good. And better yet, if it makes more than that, I give you a percentage. Mm-hmm. So now I can sell at the door for free and um, I get money off the bar. Before I could get a bar guarantee, what I used to do now is, okay, I don't have money to pay for this club. The event is October 1st. 
I start promoting September 1st. If I do pre-sale tickets, I can get enough money to pay for the club before it even comes. Mm. So I pre-sell an event, which is walking on thin ice. Right. But, you know, you got to hustle. So I get the money. Sometimes I get the money right before, like right before, okay, here. So now I'm secure. I didn't come out of pocket. You just paid for it. Everybody just, and the collective paid for the club in advance and I get my money after. Take that, put back to make sure I have for the next event, double it up again, put it into clothes. So partying kind of finance the line. Mm -hmm. Then I got to a point where I didn't have to put up my last three or four fashion show. I didn't put up no money. It's just, hey, here's pictures from my last one. Here's my receipt for my bar the last couple of shows. And they'll see eight, nine, ten K. And I'll have a promoter vouch for me. Oh, call call that club in the city and ask him about me. Oh yeah, he was great. I'm good. And now I'm efficient. I can use the money for other things and right. stuff. So speaking of using money for other things, when did you make the decision to say, okay, I'm going beyond shirts now and I'm going to do other other pieces? Oh, let's see. Maybe, well, I kind of, the first collection was shirts and then I kind of went hats and hoodies, but I think those are in the same um, boat. Like when I started getting to cut and sew and making things from scratch, a lot of people enter this market. It, like It's like anything. Like now there's a lot of girls with boutiques, a lot of people with t-shirt brands. And it's like, because they see success in it. You know, I started seeing people come into it and I like, I hate the oversaturation because they look at all of us the same. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not competing with y'all. I'm competing with Off-White. I'm competing with Kith and those people. So what they do is most of the stuff is there. You know, streetwear is get a blank and print on it and customize it. Mm-hmm. Eventually you have to get to a point where you make things from scratch. You have your own silhouettes. So I just, maybe in 2016 or 15, I got to the part where I'm like, let me start experimenting. Let me see what I can do. It was rough, like getting samples from overseas and Pakistan and China, the timetable, the gamble of sending somebody money that you never meet and not get, I've had it happen when I lost my money or they send you something that's completely garbage. So I just, you know, while the brand was going on, I made enough money that I could get. So what I teach people is, that I also do brand advising. So I tell people, you have your essentials, you know that's going to make money, and you, you risk. So I know every winter, a black hoodie is essential, mm-hmm. no matter what. A dad hat, hats are going to do great in the summer. Those are things that, and shirts, they always are needed. Now, like, you know, some colorful bodo pants, some cargo pants, or a varsity jacket, that might be a little bit more difficult. So I built up the money there, took some off the top, and put it into the research. So I'm researching. The business is doing good right here, but I'm researching something new on this side. I get it right. I throw it in with the other stuff and it's like, ooh, what's that? And now I have my regular customer who might graduate to the exclusive piece. Then I got some customers that would never mess with me because that's basic. That sees that. I'm like, ooh, mm-hmm. but I'll get that expensive special piece that he makes. And did you ever consider taking outside money investment? I did because of like hard times and people come to me. But even now I've done like little ventures, not necessarily the brand with other people. And I don't, I, I, I really, really don't like for you to, at this level, I haven't met anyone that I feel is could benefit more, that I could benefit more than they could benefit from me. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't do it. And I like the brand, I feel like the brand is my child, even though you do have two parents, but I'm both parents, sorry. <laughs> I wouldn't want to put my kid in foster care or tell someone, oh, you could, you know, the kid is um, 50-50 custody or nothing. Mm-hmm. No, the kid lives with me. Sorry, no, <laughs> just, I'm over that. So that's something that scares me. Like, you know, Kylie's um, sold her, her stuff. Virgil doesn't own Off-White. I, I couldn't, I'd be afraid to be bought out, you know, like Steve Jobs and, and Apple and all that stuff. Like he was kicked out of the company at mm-hmm. one point. Like I, I really can't. I think the price point got to be so ridiculous and I still got to be able to be majority at this point. It's possible, but I really, really, like the number, the number would be impossible, but it's possible. So I really, nah, I want to keep my vision. I want to keep it true. I'm really about the culture. I'm really from this. There's no fabrication. So I want it to stay raw and unique. And that's all I have. This is the only thing in the world that I honestly feel belongs to me. How far in were you when you decided I'm going to do brick and mortar? I'm going to open a store. Well, maybe I always thought about it, but I knew the hardships that come with it. But the thing about, I've read um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and the other like following stuff. And he talks about graduating from a small business to a big business. Small business and true wealth well, the differences between the two. Small business, you still work there. You are kind of a prisoner to the brand. Signed by McFly, my brand does not pay me. I don't have, and I don't have a regular job. Most people, when you have a small business, all the numbers and stuff get crossed. I want to be able to be at a level where the brand, I don't got to get up for stuff to sell. If I don't, if I was sick for, for three days, no clothes can sell. Like I went, I started traveling a lot and I remember being in Dubai and people wanted stuff. And the time difference is almost 24 hours. I mean, it's 5 a.m. and it's 5 p.m. Yo, bro, I need something to go out tonight. And I'm like, yeah, check my Instagram. I'm not <laughs> anywhere near, bro. So I was like, 
I miss the opportunity of making that sale is lost. So I'm like, I need something that can make sure that I have uh, true wealth is what I can make when I get out of my bed. So I need that to graduate. So I'm like, I feel like even with black businesses and brands and stuff, they look at us as, you know, always mom and pop and little. Right. So I want to reach a level where, no, we're serious. You can come in and actually come into my business and I have legit. I actually don't like brick and mortar. I really don't. But now I feel like, let me, if I don't like it, let me change it. Like we don't like the president. We need a new president. If I don't like the way brick and mortar is right now, how about I go into it and change the perception of it? And that's what I'm trying to do now. You had been designing at that point how many years? When I, op- I opened the store this year, actually. Okay. So I had the brand for mm-hmm. six years, but designing low-key, I might have been designing from all the way 2005. Okay. Not realizing it, but I was. Mm-hmm. Like me and my mans used to go to like this local um, sports store that does custom jackets and stuff. All those Jordans come out, everybody's going to buy this. Yo, let's make our own. It's funny, he has a brand as well, too. It's so funny to think about. Like we just did that for us mm-hmm. and we both have brands now, so. Like I, I have... Um, Talk to business owners who've gone brick and mortar. When I start hearing those lease terms, like, if, I know you're not in the city, but like in Manhattan proper, 10-year leases, you know, 20-year leases, stuff like that. What was your, what were the original terms and were you shook, for lack of a better well, word? Well, you know, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I look, well, what happened with me even coming to the store, I, again, the signs. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about it. I'm like, yo, there's got to be, matter of fact, I had just came back from Mexico and I was like, yo, I missed so much money. And I had, I had been in other stores, but I feel like, other stores is either they don't treat you how you want to be treated, like your brand, don't give it the same love and care. Like you leave your kid at daycare. The nanny or whoever can't take care of your kid like how you take care of your kid. It's just, you can leave the notes like, oh, my kid drinks apple juice at room temperature. No, now the kid's sick, whatever. Anyway, so I used to have it in stores. One store didn't mind it the same way I would take care of it. I, I sat there in the store one time to see somebody come in and they had all the independent brands downstairs and they didn't really like advertised to it. It's like, I won't blame the guy who's running it, but the salespeople, because they didn't care as much. Like they're just doing their job. It's like, all right, cool. But I need the engagement there because people won't understand. If you show them Nike, they're going to go Nike automatic. Right. And then the other store, it kind of was the same thing. It had like a room where more so independent. And sometimes the workers, they wouldn't know anything about the independent designers. And it's like, they get left out. So my store is only independent designers. So it's like, if you're going to notice something, it's always something, you know, something from us. You know, I don't think if I do ever introduce any other brands, it'll be minimal. Like, but I want to keep it as independent as I can, no matter what. So, and then with the leasing thing, well, actually getting the store, I was thinking about looking at spots close by me and I looked at it. I'm like, yo, let me be, I always try to go back and put myself in consumer's shoes. I don't really shop in the Bronx unless it's Fordham Road. But even Fordham Road has a stigma of like, you know, it's kind of ghetto or whatever. Like you don't really look there for taste level stuff anymore. Sammy's is gone. So there's not really that much. You know, you might get some sneakers or something. So I was like, what can I do that will be cost effective and a good taste level? The city is ridiculous. Not doing it. If I, that's what I get an investor for. Like if I could get a city store right here in Soho, I'm, let's go. Call me up. I'm ready. <laughs> so what actually happened, this is why I say treat everyone good. People, I feel people are your most valuable asset. Absolutely. So I had a customer. I didn't even really know him like that. Big dude, whatever. He said, order like regular $20 headbands. I always treated him nice. You know, not the biggest sale, but you know, everything matters to me. I always try to remember my first years of when every sale mattered and meant the world. So I kept it like that. One day hit me like, yo, bro, um, they doing a pop-up shop in Galleria White Plains. Let me know if you're interested. And I'm wondering why he's advertising to me because he doesn't work there. So I'm like, whatever. I see the cost of the table. I'm like, oh, mm, if I want to do that. Then he turns around and says, I-, I can get you two tables for free. Mm. Like, what? Yeah, just email them. Turns out his girl was um, part of the gallery mall and she was doing the thing and I went there, treated me nice, it was cool and I didn't do too crazy at the pop-up shop or nothing but I started thinking like, hmm, why did I get this thing for free? How did they people know me already? So I asked the girl, his girlfriend, like, um, if I wanted a store or wanted to do an event here, who do I speak to? She's like, me, I'm the specialty lease manager. So now, ironic enough, even go back even further, she was at my last fashion show with him. Mm. But I, we only had a short um, um, conversation and I was real nice to her then too. So she knows me and I, my stigma with her is a good guy. So I came home, eventually I went looking for a place outside the Bronx. I remembered I had her number on my phone. Like, oh, snap. I actually have a connection. Now with, I'm not the type of person that likes to do like that gaudy promotion. Like, you know, maybe a pay less does that kind of repeated Kmart, repeated, repeated slamming promotion. Louis and Gucci are real subtle. Right. I like to be subtle. Like you can't make the product speak. So I feel like if I had a store in the Bronx, I'd have to promote it as there a lot. Now if I have a store in the mall, it's automatic foot traffic. The mall's going to do promotion. So I said, let me see if I'll be in the mall. I went to Bay Plaza Mall first. Numbers was ridiculous. But now I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I have somebody in the other mall. Let me call her. I'm like, what if my budget is this? 
sure, we work on anything. Come in. My niece turned, she's like, yo, if you want to stop in three months, if you want to stop in six months, really? Year. In a mall? In a mall. And I'm like, wow. And my leeway was super. Then I seen, I know most malls, you have to be open the hours. They're open. I'm like, do I have to be open all those hours? What hours do you want to be open? I gave it to her. She's like, done. Okay. They love me. So I knew the GM. They gave me my own personal banner for free in the mall. Um, the two girls that I work with directly, they always, you know, they always there for me, helping me with stuff. I knew the security, one of the heads of security. It's just so much right. So it was like family, like the the social currency, knowing people, it worked out. So it was a good situation that really couldn't be beat. So I was like, you know what? This is my chance to dibble and dabble in it if I'm ever going to do it. So, you know, I could build off of it that way. I have never, ever since I was working in the mall at age 16, heard of a retailer in the mall not having to abide by the mall hours. Yeah, that I, is I, and I'm blessed. So yes. I, I know that the biggest overhead is employees. So if I had to increase, it's like four or five hours extra every day. That's 30, almost 30 something hours a week mm-hmm. added in. That's money. They're saving me money. They just got to the point where they're like, you know, and then they even allowed me to be open. Like the first month, I think was free. I got in March and was able to build out for two months. Even though things were moving slow, they just allowed me to do what I was doing. Mm-hmm. It, it was just dope. Like I got to pick the exact spot I wanted and everything. So they were really, you know, really nice to me. So and did you hire people? I did hire people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because I feel like throughout life, anyone I meet, I'm in an interview with. So I was like, all the people that work there are friends. Like, friends that I kind of know from somewhere. And it's like, I didn't have to go look, like, or interview anybody. It's like, I know your values beforehand. Like, if you, the best way to see someone is that they don't know you're watching. So they don't know that I'm looking at them in that light. So I pick these people because I've seen how they move and how they are besides that. And they just end up being the right fit. They know they they know the brands. They have the diligence to, like, look over stuff. And they know what my vision is. I'm thinking about this and you having a store in the mall and having employees and all of that. And the expenses that we associate with that kind of operation. The merchandising, the inventory, right? The the logistics. The even, rent. Yeah, the rent. <laughs> even people clocking in and out. Like how, did you did you go into this and say, you know what, I got it. Or was it like, I'm going to walk by faith and see how this works? Well, I feel like you psych yourself out. I, I was confident. Mm-hmm. I was scared shitless, I'm not going to lie. Um, but I'm like, you know what? It wouldn't point me in this direction for no reason. So I'm going to just take it. I'm going to just go with it. I'm going to just try. So I shot for the moon. Like, you know, I got the backbone of it. Everything else, I'll figure it out. I probably had 65% of it laid out. Mm-hmm. Like, even one day I walked into the store and I'm like, how are we going to make this look? And I'm like, um, and everybody's looking at me because I'm the creative one. And I'm just like, and I just had to figure it out on the fly. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, I hired, I was going to hire some of my friends to do the construction. And me and my guy, we just kind of did it by hand. Mm-hmm. And we're like, some younger guys help. Just did it. All of it. Just figured it out. The result was great. Yeah. So, yeah. So when you think about um, independent or if you want to call it streetwear, these kinds of brands, trends are, can be cyclical. And, you know, I think about the things that were hot when I was in high school. Brands you don't even hear about anymore, all, right? And that happens Inichi. over and over, right? I was, <laughs> Anichi was the first one I thought of. I thought of that. <laughs> then I had a Miyoshi uh, shirt that Probably I loved. Probably had a fat form <laughs> jacket. <laughs> I never got into the fat form. Wow. I, I actually met the creator of that jacket. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Um, and even down to the Mecca shirts. So, yes, yeah. Mecca, all of that was like, you know, we in high school, people were rocking M gears. Like, yes. that, that was it. Like, things that you don't even, wow, M gears. We, I, I went wow. to, I look at like, this is a, I'm digressing a bit, but I look at these high school girls now and how they dress. First of all, you can't tell whether they're like grown women or not. But I remember Stay like, away from high <laughs> when I was in high school, we were into like, it was the Aaliyah era too. Yes. So everything wasn't tight. Like, yeah, you might have, you might have had a little, yeah, you might have had a guest baby tee, but then you had big jeans. Yep. Or you might have had overalls with the tee underneath and the mini backpack. Still and baggy. Your, your yeah. Tim's or your, your M gears. Yeah. Um, but a lot of those things have come and gone. Yeah. How do you remain fresh, relevant, and in demand with an independent, you know, clothing line? So I try to play the middle. Or you kind of play both sides. Because you can, like, with a good, like, I have a pretty big catalog. So one, I try, like you pay attention to the outside, but you don't pay too much outside. Like I'll look out the window, but I won't go outside and play. So I will know like, all right, um, what's in now? Like the little diamond studs on 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 shirts is mm-hmm. coming in right now. I might drop one style in it, but I won't go crazy. Reflective is something that a lot of people have been coming into right now again. Like it all recycles. 
So you don't overplay too much heavy on one thing so you get played out. You kind of keep, like I said, essential. Like you keep something that is timeless, that I made it three years ago and people will still buy it now. Yeah. Then you then you might drop one, two pieces. It depends. You pick your trends you want to jump into because like when I first started, I wasn't going to, the snapbacks got real popular. Mm -hmm. But I learned like fitted hats are the timeless piece. But with a small brand like me, to do that with mad different size variations is too much. So I would rather stay trendy. I did a snapback. Snapbacks fell out. They're coming back a little bit now. But then dad hats got crazy 2016. And I jumped into that and it did great. It was one of my best selling things ever. Then once that's a trend, at the same time, I released scarves. No one had scarves out. Honestly, I didn't know of any brand that was thinking scarves. Maybe like Gucci and Louis maybe, but mm -hmm. like street brand. No, but I was just growing my hair at the time. So it was more so, I want to protect my hair. I want to keep my hair looking good. Let me make some scarves. <laughs> the girls going to feel me. Whatever. Guys started making it as bandanas and it went crazy. And it might have been my best selling product to this date. And it was just, you know, being true. Like putting your, like make, I basically make stuff that I like. So first I trust my taste level and I know people like to emulate what I do. Then I mix me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. Too much outside noise would kill you. Yeah. Yes. So you mentioned some of the challenges earlier. We're trying to get things made and all of that. What does your manufacturing process look like now? Now, um, basically, I would sit back and I have what I do now is I have like a creative folder where I see things. Um, I've learned, I read a book called The Art of Stealing. Yes, Art of Stealing. It's like a creative design book. And it tells you that nothing is completely original. So you should still, to an extent, there's a quote that goes, um, good artists um, borrow, great artists steal. And it's basically like, if I like this Gucci shirt and this Ralph Lauren jacket and whatever, I put all those together. So what I do is I take, pictures, I take the pictures of stuff I like and put it in a folder and I improve upon them. Now, if I went and try to make the hoodie from scratch with no direction at all, I might, I'm going to start at zero. But why start at zero? If the Ralph Lauren hoodie is at eight and I see improvement on it, I can make it an 11 mm -hmm. and they only need me a 10. So I build off of something good already. You feel me? Like if somebody came out there, like all these cars is out there, a lot of them look the same besides the grill and the logo on it. If someone was to try and build the car completely from scratch, where would we be? Right. So it's more so building off of what's already out there. So that's my design process. I sit there, I go on my Photoshop, design something. Um, I do also, some things I still make in the States. I'll, quote what the price is. So like essentials and hoodies and stuff, sometimes I, if it's a little eccentric or crazy, I'll see, I know that it's going to cost too much to do here. Yeah. I'll go get a quote there and then I have basics here. So it's like, all right, the season is coming. I'm going to need hoodies. All right, the essentials, I'll keep here in US. The ones that get a little crazy, I'll go over there. I usually know the lead time. I get a quote. Um, Beforehand, with the, with the factories now, it's a little different. I have to get a sample. I always do samples first. Let me get a sample. Because when I didn't do a sample, and it whole, you get a whole 30 piece of garbage, you stuck. And then that might be the one piece someone decides to buy and dislike, and then they, you lose that customer. Mm -hmm. I like brand loyalty. They can stay. They bought from me in 2013. They're with me 2019. That's what's the best. If I got one good customer that keeps coming back, I'm winning. Right. Not 100 customers that will never buy from me again. That's bad. So with that, with the with the U.S., is it's straight on point. I've designed it. I like it enough, I make it. I don't really do samples too much. I know what I want. Overseas, I have to make a sample, come back. Usually, the thing with overseas people, um, they usually, like, especially China, they make the stuff smaller. Like, yeah. they're extra large. It'll be a medium large sometime here. So I'll get it. i ask for my size just so if anything, I don't like it. Like, something might look good on computer, but in person, it's like, nah, that's not it. So I'll get it in my size just in case. So, like, I'll keep it if anything. Mm -hmm. So I'll get it. If I like it, might have minor changes. Some changes I might need in the sample. Some changes I might, I could just do it in, in full production. And that's it. So I time myself for the sample lead time, then the bulk. Gotcha. So how has social media helped in growing your business? I actually would tell you that's, it's funny that it's kind of on a decline now, but Snapchat mm -hmm. really, really was it for me. Really? Re like, I'm not going to lie. 2016, like, it was easy. I went to I went to a pop-up shop. My friend was keeping. He had that. And I wanted a dad. This is why I don't go shopping as well, because this messes me up. I go shopping and I see something and I say, I want this. But I'm like, wait, I can make it. Then I don't buy it. Then I'm obsessed with recreating it and making it or making it better. So I went and looked for the hat and he didn't have it. And he's like, I'll let you know in a week. And in the week time, I got so interested in that hat now, I made my own. I made one. This is the one time in U.S. that I really did a sample and I put it up. And I just put it up just to put it up. Mm -hmm. And I usually don't ever do that. And people just wrote me. It was crazy. I'm like, oh, do this color, do that, do that. And I usually tell people I don't listen to the, the, the crowd. But at that point, I did and it worked. So I'm like, okay, you know what, I'm going to do basics. Black always sells. Mm -hmm. Red, blue, 
white for the summer, pink, a little less. I dropped that. It went crazy. Like it went bananas to the point that I ran that red for like a year and a half. Wow. So it was like Snapchat was it. And then slowly Instagram started to um, mirror the stories with with um, Snapchat. So I started to do both at the same time. And to this day, I still like, I still post on Snapchat and it's still those few loyal customers that see whatever. But Instagram, it has more links. You can go to my, you can go to my bio and get the website. I have an app actually and a bunch of other stuff. So it's, but now it's Instagram, but then it was Snapchat. So it's actually my, it actually is my basis of my promotion. Gotcha. So have you ever had a moment where you were like, I can't believe that high profile person is wearing my stuff? Um, Yes, I actually have many, many, well, not, well, two, two times I was actually stuck. Two times. So Young Thug wore my, wore a, I actually made a motorsport suit for um, my birthday. I was just testing it out and everybody liked it so much. I was like, I'm a producer. And um, a friend of mine, um, oh, Ducky Confetti, he's actually like a celebrity stylist and he makes mm-hmm. his own stuff. And I, I designed for him. He had no idea I did clothes. He's he's so funny. He doesn't know I do clothes, but I'm like, yo, um, I do clothes, blah, blah, blah. You have any links to people? He gave me a, a big list of people and he said he had Future and um, Young Thug Stylist. And I was like, oh, I want to send something Future. He's like, send me a picture of what you're talking about. Send him a picture. He gave me back a, a dress. I said, why are you giving me the dress? He's like, I sent it to the guy. He likes it. It's like, oh, well, that was quick. Yeah, I'm like, that was like that record was easy. time. Yeah. And I'm like, he's like, I'm not going to lie to you. I like it too. I would have never sent it to him if I didn't like it. So I trust his taste level mm-hmm. a lot. So I sent it to the guy and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then at the same time, um, Ducky was like not around. So I didn't want to hound him. So I just hit the guy directly in um, the DM. Like, yo, I sent something for future, blah, 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 blah. He's like, yo, um, I'm actually supposed to be shooting with Doug. And he picked it up and he liked it and he tried it on. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, with celebs most of the time, if they like something and they try it on, they have a better chance of wearing it. Mm-hmm. So do you want me to just keep it for future or you want it for Thug? I was like, leave it with Thug then. <laughs> and then I was just kind of hounding his Instagram and I seen him have a fitting with him and I see my pants in the background. I was like, oh, this is lit. And they must have went to like Art Basel or whatever, whatever. It passed. And Art Basel was in December. And this was last year? Yeah, last year. And then New Year's Eve, he puts up a video and he has my flu on. And he's like mm-hmm. promoting where he's going to be for New Year's Eve night. And I'm mad because the event got canceled, so I didn't get extra media. Uh, and he, I, I never seen him wear it again. I only got the one video. But to just know that Young Thug, who's one of the fashion icons of our time, chose my suit to be his suit for New Year's Eve mm-hmm. meant a lot to me. Right, absolutely. And then on the other flip end, um, Bernice Burgos um, wore a bodysuit of mine. Um, I met her um, at um, some club. My friend had booked her, and I showed her this stuff, and I told her I really ap- appreciate her and I make stuff like this for people like her. And I didn't have the money to give her. And usually she gets paid a, a nice check for mm-hmm. stuff. Now just honest, two months later, I'm playing basketball and checking my phone and my phone is going crazy. My friend said, yo, you, you the GOAT. And I'm like, why? I scroll up, I see a picture of her wearing my stuff and I was really stuck. And then <laughs> to continue, she posted maybe three more pictures wearing my stuff. She posted a video and it was like, wow. Mm-hmm. And then all caught up in, in the days, I was like, wait, I didn't even say thank you. So I wrote her and said, thank you. And we had a full conversation. And she's like, I like your stuff. And she has her own brand and she wanted help. And she gave me her number. And I was actually at her house last night helping her. Wow. So like we have a whole relationship. Like that's my friend. So it's pretty good. So that's a great segue to actually the next question I was going to ask. You know, we see a lot of folks who are diversifying, right? Who start in TV or on Instagram as an influencer or reality shows or whatever. And they start to get into other things and start clothing lines. Yes. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that a lot of us find an entrance one way and then our other mm-hmm. talents come, come out, out. Yes. right? Once you get access. But then I also know there's a ton of people who are just seeing another way to get money. Yes. Um, and they're not passionate about it. They don't even have the talent. They're yeah. just leveraging whatever cred they have and they following to yeah. get money. How do you feel about that when like Instagram influencers, oh, video chicks or those kinds I of I absolutely hate it. Mm-hmm. Hate it. Because it, it's wrong. Because... Like, I even look back at, like, the days of FUBU and stuff, and they used to talk, and it's like, at that time, every artist had a brand. Mm-hmm. Rockefeller was doing it. Diddy and them, Sean John, actually won awards. Like, they were legit. And then after that, everybody started doing it. Snoop Dogg had a clothing line. Eminem had a clothing line. He cares zero about fashion. Right. It was just another check. Because those golden age 
those golden um, years, you could sell anything to us. It was CDs, clothes, whatever. I mean, look what G-Unit had, guys in these little Brazier tops and all this craziness. <laughs> like, it was crazy. Like, it was Count horrible. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, even Jay-Z was selling us replica Gucci's and mm -hmm. everything. Like, like, selling us Reeboks that didn't look good. But, you know, to a point, 50 used to sell us the movie, the video game, the clothes, the sneakers, and the album. People forget how much influence, you know, 50 had. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we didn't care. And this is why I want to, like, get people to build the quality of like, yo, you actually got to care. Because once you ward it out for the people that actually care, you're killing their market. Yeah. Fubo and them would be fine. Like he said, there was a point where he used to be, a store would order his full collection, but they have to make space for the rapper's stuff because they the, up, the higher ups can't see the difference between you and the rapper. Mm -hmm. They just know y'all both got hype. But this person actually does this for a living. This person just making money. Like the influencers, people forget about people in real life. Some influencers aren't the same in person. I seen an article about a girl having a million followers and couldn't sell out 24 shirts. It doesn't always translate. Some people follow just to look at a girl. Mm -hmm. Some people follow just to hear a person laugh. Not every Instagram comedian, just because they're funny, can sell you clothes. They're not fashionable. You have to be fashionable to an extent. And even with Bernice, people wouldn't know she really does care. It's just she has a lot of yes men and people around her. And I actually try to start, like, I'll tell her, no, this is mm -hmm. not good. This is good. You should do this. Like, when she does, she does, like, sleepwear and stuff now, I'm like, listen, you go to the gym, you go out. I don't mind you wearing my stuff. That's great. You know, you have your thing with Fashion Nova, but you should be making some of this stuff. When you go to the gym, people, you actually go to the gym and care about your body every morning. You make workout gear. You know, Nike is cool, but make that stuff for yourself. You go out, make these little cute, tight bodysuits and dresses and stuff. Market yourself. You are the, you are the best figurehead for that stuff. And I'm like, I don't, I, you're not stepping on my toes. We're both, I, if you win, I win. And she's like, wow, I never thought about that. And I'm like, I'm never looking at you sideways for you wanting to make bodysuits, even if from the same person I get mine from. So she does care. Some people I've met do care. Like I helped Mano design something. He seems to care right now. But there's a couple of people that don't. I What I feel people with followings and names should do is partner. Mm -hmm. Instead, like I'd love for Tiana Taylor to be like a brand ambassador or somebody or a friend of the company where, hey, let's do this together. Let's shoot a lookbook. Whatever you want that lookbook, we go half on. Mm -hmm. Or you put up some money and we flip the money and like give back that way. We all complain about these high um, Gucci and all these people being racist and doing all this crazy stuff. But a couple months later, the boycott is over. Yeah, We already built them up so high and they're like, we, we Jamaican. And I'd be at a party with Jamaicans saying all these bad things about, you know, gay people, but you're wearing Versace. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know who Versace was? Right. Like, like, it don't even correlate. Like, your values don't add up. You care so much about your homies, but you're in the club, you know, um, wearing Gucci and Louis and these people. You're drinking Rose and Henny. That's all from one fashion house, one company. Mm -hmm. All controls your whole look and what you consume Absolutely. in a club. Like, let's, you know, we all love Nipsey so much. Let's keep the money in. People put up his quotes and everything, but they're not living that lifestyle. And it bothers me because, like, come on. Like, we have our influence. Our influence is so heavy. Right. Rihanna, they, they updated Instagram and it was swiping the other way. Rihanna said she wanted to leave her Instagram. Instagram changed it back. <laughs> Which is Instantly. just wild. It's wild. Yeah. Like, our influence is that important. Like, mm -hmm. you got to really think about it. If we, if the strength in numbers, we are, we make the taste level. If we followed it the right way, Dapper Dan and, and got his deal because of us. Yes. Because we uproared. Like, no, you can't do that. Look how much years he waited to get that. And even with him now, I feel like Dapper Dan, like they said on The Breakfast Club, like, you should be making your own stuff now. Like, you have the following. You did the Gucci. You have the attention on you. Make just that but there. Mm -hmm. Just straight out. You become a black fashion house. How about that? And build all these people up together. But, you know, I, they talk it and they don't care. And I actually, I'm sometimes considered an influencer. I hate the word influencer because, like, what do you really have? Yeah. If you just have the numbers, then, yeah. But do you actually influence what people wear and buy? I don't think so all the time. Mm -hmm. Not all, like I said, the Instagram comedians can make me want to wear a pair of sneakers. Right. So. And I think there are folks who are influencing in, in the sense that they are able to monetize. Yes. But also, too, with that, the problem that I have is then it becomes they're just for sale for a brand. Like, I want access to your million followers, so sell my tea or promote See, but, this. And, yeah. and, and that's another thing that people don't understand is trends. Like, yeah. back in the day, Run DMC used to wear Adidas because they liked Adidas. Mm -hmm. They didn't get a deal. Now, they opened the... For like, if you think about Run DMC made easy because Kanye there's no way Kanye mm -hmm. could get in. like and we right now they probably won't ever see that kind of money but we should pay it back and pay it forward so I really feel like it should be organic you feel me Kanye really does care about this clothing he'll stop rapping he'll find God to make sure all this stuff <laughs> it goes right you need to care and we should actually expose people that don't care that much about this stuff 
You feel me? Like, Fashion Nova is just basically rainbow with influencers. It's actually... Oh, that was a quotable if I ever heard one. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> and I used to... And I put it up because they actually... They ripped me off. And two, that was... See? They ripped me off you, two, three times. And a couple of, I was going to ask if you've been ripped off. I've been ripped, I've been ripped off a couple of times. Um, It doesn't bother me. It makes me feel like, all right, I'm doing right. It's fine. It happens. You know, whatever. You know, I've been inspired by people, but not to the extent that they've done, where I see flat out, yo, that's... And then I think one of my designs, they named it Don't Block Me or something like that. Like, they were literally on my Instagram page or something. I'm like, what? I was, wow. I was mad. I was really mad. Mm -hmm. So I was like, whatever. And then, like, I, like I'm a good friend with Bernice, so I know the numbers that they pay people. And it's like, of course, they're going to get all the influence of the numbers. Mm -hmm. If you flood the market, if you live in New York City and there's only McDonald's on every block, you're going to be forced to eat McDonald's. Right. There's no healthy option. So guess what you do? Buy that. So now they get, we, I feel like us, we sell our influence too short. You get the money now, that's temporary. But in the future, what does that mean? Right. That means all our people are influenced and follow, following that. And something you have no equity in. At all. And I, I look at it now, like I see Christmas is coming and a lot of kids, they want the Apple AirPods. They don't need them. They want Gucci this, Gucci that. And it's like, two years ago, y'all were just boycotting that. But now your kid has its stigma in their head that that's what it is. Mm -hmm. You're building it. You're really set. Like we're really brainwashing. We're brainwashed and we're just feeding it right down to our children. It's bad. I want to be able to tell my kid, like, listen, you make quality, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. You build up the story, that's what it is. I want to make it generational. I want to make you think, like, all right, it's not just what the TV and what these people. I see some people with that um, get these little deals, like the influencers and rappers that you know aren't sneakerheads. Right. I look at some of them and I'm like, maybe Wale, Fab, and a couple of people, Tiana Taylor, she, you can see who's really about it. And some of these people, they don't give a zero. Oh, come to the Foot Locker event, you're going to get paid this. All right, mm -hmm. come, rock the crowd. I'm wearing sneakers. Oh, check out my... And leave. They come from the middle of Alabama. They don't know... They'd rather have open-toed sandals or be barefoot. They don't care nothing about sneakers. They got money now. Did you have to say barefoot? I'm sorry. I mean, I'm from Jamaica. You know, when it rains, you got to take them shoes off. You, gotta take, you can't mess up your school, your Sunday's shoes. You understand? So I, I hate it. It's like being... You know, like, I, I, I do like that Jay-Z and Beyonce are, like, slowly, like, they're going the vegan route. Mm -hmm. He did 444 where he talk about, like, family stuff and everything like that. I like it. And it's rough because even when you go that length, they get backlash for it. Right. And it's like, they're only trying to, because music is very influential and people don't realize, like, that actually is, you listen to something every day, like a mantra, it sticks in your head. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what racist stuff some of these brands do, people rap, ah, you know, pop song, drop the song, Dior, Dior, Dior. That's all he's selling. He's selling all these brands to the kids. Mm -hmm. I dance to it in the club too. I like it, but it's just, it's, it, it embeds something inside your mind. You feel me? We could pay it forward to our people. Why not? We have the influence. If you have the influence, I think you have a responsibility. And do you think things will evolve in a way where we are more loyal to, on a more mainstream level, to our own brands? Than I, I feel like it's possible, but I feel like it has to start at the top. Mm -hmm. Like, us at the bottom, I know a couple of people that are trying, but, like, even when I, I get placements now, and it's like, a lot of the placements aren't for me. It's for my clientele, like, my customers. They get excited. Uh, I mess with Bernice. That, that Bernice is for me, so, you know. But it also helps. If I really want something to sell, she wears it, it's over. I actually got a recent um, placement with Lance Stevenson. He's a basketball player. He used to be on the Lakers, played with LeBron. Now he plays overseas. I just like him because he's from New York, and I like him. But that placement was for my homies. Like, they liked that a lot. It didn't really mean that much to me, but it was like, he's cool. I like him. We're from the same place. He could understand. He'll go and wear my stuff like a New York person. Yeah. So it, it is rough, but I appreciate him because he was here before he went to China in the week and he wore like four or five of my outfits back wow. to back. And I really appreciate that. And I'm like, that kind of stuff, like, I'd love to establish a relationship with him. I was like, yo, listen, bro, that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want money and we can make a number, you know, but let's make it fair. Let's make it be, yo, I get these kind of sales. I'll pay you. You know, the big brands do it. Let's build the same relationship. Absolutely. So tell me about a time when you had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. <laughs> Besides every day? I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, you're in retail, so I know it's an everyday thing. Well, okay. So 2017, I was doing my birthday slash fashion show. Um, I had just, I had a friend of mine who does the party there. I hate the middleman stuff. That's why I learned to talk to the owner myself. So I had a friend of a friend, there's three of us that were in a group chat and he secured the location for me. So, okay. Told him it's Sunday, whatever. Um, the day before the event, he turns around, he's like, I'm trying to get the stage delivered because I set up the stage the day before. And he's like, yo, um, they're like, yo, they double booked you. Mm. Like, double booked me? What? What happened? Yeah, they have a breast cancer fashion show event. Um, the same day, starts a little earlier than yours. 
mind you, regardless of it starting earlier, I have to be in the building to set up. Of course. And I need my hair and makeup because girls need to take forever. They look like Beyonce. <laughs> you better look like Beyonce or Halle Berry, you know, one of the two. So they take a little while. So, you know, you know, show started at four, call time is 11, 12, if anything. So I'm sitting there and they're like, they're trying to put me in another spot. And one, with promotion, to get people to go from the Bronx to the city is one thing, but then to move them at the last, mm-hmm. really the last minute is not it. So I'm like, one, that place is not it. Like, you know, throwing just a party is one thing. But to have stage, backstage hair and makeup and all the other stuff in a spot, not every venue in New York can do that. There's a handful. Every year we lose one and we might gain one. It's really hard, you know, especially when you got to do a build out and stuff. So I'm like, no, it's impossible. I need this venue. So I got, I'm like, yo, just get me the number. Get them to call me. So I'm there and I'm just thinking, like, all right. I, I try not to, I think, Bad on um, my life, we battle between emotion and logic. Emotion is like, this is my, my I'm, I'm afraid. This is my event. I'm going to cry. This is crazy. But logic is like, what can I logically do? So I turn off the emotions. I'm like, okay, they are here at this time. Their event ends at this time. Mine starts at this time. We probably overlap each other maybe by an hour or two. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I know me. I know my crowd. I'm pretty sure these people are not going to have the crowd they're hoping for. So they might end a little earlier. Okay. I said, give me, I said, how about this? They I'm going to leave. They don't have a stage. They can set up my stage and use it. So now they feel, oh, this guy's right. cool. Fine. Have the person at the door. My per- at, um, let's say, 6 o'clock. I was supposed to start at 4. Let's say 6 o'clock. At 6 o'clock, I want the door to be all mine. Then people will come in or whatever. And the bar, whatever, if the people are still there, whatever goes to the bar, because I was doing a bar guarantee, comes to me. Mm-hmm. And before that is them. And on top of that, um, whoever's in, from whoever's in their show wants to stay, they're free to stay, free of charge. They're happy. Right. I'm happy. Now, the next one that says, like, all right, while they're doing that, put me upstairs so my guys can do hair and makeup. And it worked out seamlessly. It's like, cool. I built a relationship with them. I killed that party at the club. Everybody loves me. Figured it out. And it was like, in the middle of the night, the night, I'm thinking, like, what am I going to do? And I just have to do that on the fly. Yeah, I might have blown up, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking me a moment nah, I was, to get to I was so mad. Like, how you managed double book me? Like, we've been planning this for months. Mm-hmm. How? Like, how you don't realize, oh, you're doing a fashion show? Hey, do I have a fashion show already? Like, how you don't realize <laughs> right. that? Like, so it really, it really hurt me so much. And it was so unprofessional, especially, like, in the middle of the city. Like, you know, I'm not the home in the wall. It's mm-hmm. a nice place. I don't want to talk. I'm not going to say the club. We won't say that. I won't say their name. We still got love. But it was like, come on. Like, don't do that to me. So... But we figured it out and it was great. So everybody won. I feel there's always some type of solution. Mm -hmm. So I figured it out and it was rough. It was stressful. And I always stress to the very end of the show until I get the numbers and I know I made my numbers and everybody's paid. I was like... Then you can exhale. Yes, I have been there. (sighs) When you pass off that last envelope, it's like, all right, we're good. Bye. Leave me. Let me just sit in the back. <laughs> yeah. So what's on the horizon for you? Okay, so I have the store. I want to eventually, maybe not in the next year or two, I want to make this, I want to have multiple locations in the store. Um, That might take a little longer than I thought because this first year was rough, still is rough. Um, I'm figuring it out. It's really like school. Like I'm learning things on the fly, which is priceless. Um, Also with the store, I want to turn the store into a show. So um, my store is Cloud Control. The show will be called Out of Control, which literally means it's out of control and it's out of control. Um, I want to have, um, I'll have a staff of like a couple of my friends that will be working there. You know, I'm a designer and I'm a public speaker and I go to events, I do pop-ups. I've been on the news. I like to showcase that. Um, a friend, a couple of friends of mine are rappers. One is an actor. Another girl, she's starting her brand. And I feel like us all together, it'd be a beautiful thing. Um, I'm going to try and shoot a pilot maybe next month. Um, I actually have connections with people that um, are in the industry that could get me We, MTV, uh, VH1. They are, you know, they actually produce for um, Love and Hip Hop mm-hmm. and Black Ink and those kind of things. So we'll see how that goes. If not, I'm still going to do it by myself just because I want to and bring attention to the store. Next, on top of that, because I really don't want the store to just be like brick and mortar, just brick and mortar. That's boring. Right. So bring this, this, the show that brings attention to the people around me and the store. Then I want to do, um, I might, I'm supposed to start a concert series called Uptown Bound where I want to have like little concerts in the store. But the difference between the concert, I want it to be free and um, I just want people to come to the store, enjoy their t- time. And the artists, I want to build relationship with artists where like you're an artist and I want to teach people how about making money as artists, independent artists, you know, releases, um, events, merch. I have an automatic um, machine that prints in the store in the back. So I'll, let's say I have four artists. I'd have like one printout of your shirt and we have all the shirts in the back. And it's like, okay, 
you want that design by this artist in this size, we print it right there on the spot. So you maybe even customize to how you want it. This is the price. We collect, and at the end of the night, we tally up, that artist gets paid. Mm-hmm. You know, it don't cost you anything. Right. It brings promotion to my store. We both get paid. Win-win. And I feel like giving that platform and taking on that burden can help everybody, you know, because an artist sitting there and they're worrying about other things and photo shoots and stuff is like, now to go make a full-size run, 25, 30 pieces of a shirt, a lot. Absolutely. And it might not sell. Now, if you just have it for sale and it takes five, two minutes to be made, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Why not? And I also have a sidebar of that where I want to do like ciphers where um inside the store that will, it will celebrate the store and each artist will have a different brand from the store on in the cipher because mm-hmm. I have 16 independent brands. Nice. So it's like in the cipher, they'll come up. I have my my producer. He's also um advertising him. Him, my video man, the artist, what he's wearing. Next artist, what he's wearing. Next artist, what he's wearing. Thanks. And I release those. And then for the just signed by McFly, um, I just want to expand. I want to get more faces. I want to have a face in the brand, actually. I really do. I love Tiana Taylor. One day I'm going to get her to be the person. I, that's who I dream. I have no doubt in my mind that you're going to make it happen. Yeah, I, re- I, re- like that's, I have so much, like, something I design, and I think of her. I think of Rihanna. I think of ASAP. Like, I think of these people while I'm making certain things. And it's like, yo, I know you see this. You'll be like, yo. So that's one thing. And I want to actually move into footwear. Um, I've been designing samples. Footwear is very difficult. I made three samples. I finally got to one that I like, a good enough minimum. Price is not too crazy. So I might um aim to release that spring 2020. It just has a nice ring to it. Spring 2020, I like that. Yeah, so yeah. that's what I'm aiming. So leaving that, that temp job was the best thing we've ever had? Best. <laughs> they let me go. <laughs> Thank you, Loretta. Uh, so where can people find you and the brand online? Okay, um, I'm Bugsy McFly. Um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Google it. Um, sign by McFly.com, sign by McFly Instagram, same thing for Facebook. I have an app in the App Store, um, Android and and um Apple, sign by McFly. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you. And your brethren. So uh, that made it even better. <laughs> of course. Why not? So why, listen, why? we are all about supporting our own, own here. First of all, I wish we had like an air horn I could use right now. <laughs> I just, I just feel like it'd be great. <laughs> but we are all about wearing our own, supporting our own, you know, doing what we can to really further this movement of being sustainable yes. and self-sufficient and not necessarily needing the dollars from somebody else to make exactly. it happen. So to our listeners, check out Muggsy's brand, everything that he's doing, follow him. Uh, you know what we're going to ask next. Like, share, subscribe to this podcast. And as always, remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26th. That's December 26ER.